special six-part series called Dr. J's. I'm KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser. Yesterday in the series, we talked about how prosecutors often try to make it very clear when someone charged with a crime is in a gang. That association can influence a jury to find them guilty. And that's what happened with James Carter, who was found guilty of shooting two women outside Dr. J's liquor store in Lincoln Park and is now serving life in prison. Usually when I talked to James Carter on the phone, he was so focused on how even though he was charged with the murders at the Dr. J's shooting, he says there was no evidence against him. But in one conversation, he deviated from that script and started telling me about his favorite movies. My favorite movies, my top five, is Fast Night at Richmond High, Cooley High, Grease, uh, uh, what's the other one? West Side Story. But I wanted like a... Are you laughing at me? No, no. Oh, that's cool. Claire, you laugh messed up. What's so funny about those that? Are good, those are good movies. This conversation made me realize Carter is a flirt. His mom told me he often had multiple girlfriends. And this actually came up in his trial. His defense lawyer suggested at one point that people ended up naming Carter as the shooter because they didn't like him since he was always stealing their girlfriends. They needed a conviction. Layla Aziz knew Carter before he was arrested and said, yeah, people in the Skyline area didn't like him. She's now a head of Pillars of the Community, a nonprofit that advocates for criminal justice reform. And so when you're working in a community and you need a conviction, you have to get somebody who's convictable. Did I make up a word? No, she didn't. She said this happens a lot after a crime. Police find people with other convictions and try to get them to give up information in exchange for reduced sentences. As they went in there and they started making deals with people who didn't want to go to prison for having drugs or didn't want to go to prison for domestic violence or different things, and they got them to, to testify, just give me a name. And finally they got a name of, that could stick with enough people who didn't care about him. He was a throwaway. Robert Hickey, the prosecutor in Carter's trial, paints it differently. The district attorney's office wouldn't let me interview him for this story, but he actually talked to me about this case a few years ago. Back then, he was running for San Diego city attorney and brought up the case multiple times as evidence that he knew how to work with the Southeast San Diego community. As a prosecutor of the year in 2011 for work I did on a double murder down in Southeast San Diego. I know the district attorney got the best work out of me when I was empowered. On the Dr. J's case, the double murder down in Southeast San Diego where these two innocent women were murdered. In an interview with the San Diego Union-Tribune after the trial, Hickey talked about collecting informants against James Carter. There is nothing more believable on the witness stand than a career criminal when they tell the truth, he was quoted as saying, they're in a position to know. He went on to say that some of those informants helped solve other murder cases in Southeast San Diego and that there could be more people arrested for the Dr. J shooting in the future. But that never happened. So who were these informants? There were four big ones who testified in the trial. 
two were jailhouse informants, meaning they were in prison with James Carter and said he told them he did the shooting. Both got less jail time in exchange for their testimony. Another was Earl McNeil. He's the man who sparked protests in National City last summer because he went into a coma and died after police arrested him. We now know that Earl McNeil was an informant for the district attorney's office for at least the Dr. J's case and possibly for others. After he testified in Carter's trial, the DA gave him almost $30,000 in expenses so he and his family could move away from San Diego. This is a big incentive for many informants, even if they don't get reduced jail time. It's guaranteed paid rent and food and a chance to maybe leave a bad situation in San Diego and start over somewhere else. This came up with the fourth informant in Carter's case, who will call SP to protect his identity. I mean, it's just, it's not just to help me, but, you know, I can end the whole page for my, you know, for my family and this gangster lifestyle. Absolutely. That's SP in a recorded interview with the prosecutor, Robert Hickey. He shows what a hard decision it can be for an informant to decide to cooperate with police. This is snitching, you know what I'm saying? This is against everything that I believe, you know what I'm saying? Everything that I've been growing up to understand. Hickey tells him he knows it goes against the gang code to give information to police. I understand the code, um, but also uh, maybe you get a new code today. SP clearly did not want to testify. In fact, he says at the trial that he only decided that morning to go through with it and that the district attorney had to keep him in jail to stop him from, as he says, ducking them and skipping testifying. In that tape, SP says that James Carter was the main organizer of the shooting. But then at the trial, Carter's defense attorney plays another tape. So everything I've said to the DA has been a lie. Did they know that at this point? Yes, I believe they did. I told my lawyer that I lied about a lot of stuff. That's a recording of SP talking to the defense's private investigator. He says that he was in jail and found out his mom was sick. He hoped that by talking to the DA, they'd let him out so he could see his mom before she died of cancer. So he says he made up a bunch of information about Dr. J's. The investigator asks if anything he told the DA was true, and he says no. So now the jury must be thinking there's no way they can believe SP, right? But then he reverses himself again. When he testifies at the trial, he said he told the defense investigator he lied to the DA because he was trying to save his reputation. Here's a voice actor reading what SP said at the trial. I was trying to see if there was some way I could keep my respect in the hood, like with the homies. I thought if I switched up what I said, took back everything that I'm saying, maybe I wouldn't be looked at as a snitch. Maybe just somebody trying to get out of a situation. And I'd still be able to come back around and, you know, have face value with the homies. Then he goes back to his original story. James Carter did the shooting. He said he decided to testify because the DA had promised he likely would be let out of jail and moved out of San Diego for protection. He hoped this would give him and his family a fresh start. We permit the government to pay its witnesses, and we permit the government to pay its witnesses in the most valuable currency you can imagine. 
which is their own liberty. Alexandra Nadipoff sees the deals like the one SP made as a problem. She's an expert on informants and a law professor at UC Irvine. We have permitted the creation of an enormous, informal, off-the-record market exchanging information for liberty uh, and leniency in sentencing. We don't regulate it. She said offering people deals in exchange for testimony increases the likelihood that they will make up information. But we also pay in the fact that, in effect, every informant deal is letting a criminal off the hook. These leniency deals are, by definition, a way that criminal suspects, criminal defendants are avoiding punishment for their own crimes, for their own wrongdoing, sometimes very serious criminals. Letting the guilty go free is what Layla Aziz, the Southeast San Diego resident you heard from at the beginning of this story, said happened in the Dr. J's case. She thinks James Carter didn't do it, and that to her shows the district attorney doesn't care about her community. Because if you will convict a person you know is, did not do it, you don't care. That's where we get the wrongful convictions, the devastation, and that does not assist our community in being resilient. Tomorrow, we'll hear more from Aziz and other Southeast San Diego residents about what would assist their community in the future. series was reported and hosted by me, Claire Tregesser. It was edited by Tom Fudge and Suzanne Marmion. Video and audio recordings were done by Nick McVicker and me. Additional audio mixing and sound design was done by Emily Jankowski. Our podcast coordinator is Kinsey Moreland. Web producers are Elma Gonzalez and Chris Underwood. Check out our website at kpbs.org j for photos and videos and to listen to episodes you might have missed.